Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to On the Preds with me, your host, Alex Darty of A to Z Sports. Solo show today because we've had some uh, technical difficulties and uh, and Sean is out of town. Uh, so we have the nice white brick wall next to me representing Sean tonight. But um, we have a, a, a show today that kind of mixes in a couple different things. But, but mostly I wanted to get on here to just kind of recap the last week. And and also talk about uh, some some really big issues that have been happening with the team that I think are kind of coming to a head, and some some problems that I think may have to be resolved very soon. Uh, but um, th- this is episode sixty three of On the Preds. Uh, thanks for joining. And uh, so since our last show, the Predators are o three and o. Last week when we came on, when I was with Sean. Uh, we had talked about how the Predators were 4-0-0 going into that week, which was, uh, you know, probably the best week, single week of the year, considering, you know, by record. But then they uh, followed that up with uh, three losses, which I'll talk about briefly. Um, the, the, the issue right now with this team, I think, pretty much across the board, has to do with that word right up there. And that is that they are stuck. This team is completely stuck. They cannot get up. They cannot go down. They are stuck. This has been a theme that a lot of people have talked about with the Nashville Predators over the last several years. But this is the first time. Let's back up a second, because I think some people have been talking about this idea of the team being stuck in the middle since the Laviolette years. And I think that that was a little bit premature. Because after the cup run and the president's trophy, they were still, you know, contenders. You could disagree about keeping the band together and all that. You could disagree about certain trades and moves and everything, but, but they were not quite in the middle yet. Like they were still a a pretty solid playoff team, like a pretty, um, like they were definitely going to be in the playoffs at the beginning of the year. I mean, at, at least by most standards in the John Hines era, that has been significantly changed, obviously because of a lot of personnel changes. The, the, the team looks different now, but uh, I think that there are some serious problems right now. And I, I think a lot of you are probably thinking, why are you just now saying this? I, I mean, I've kind of been saying it for a while, but I don't really feel like it has really happened until this moment, mid-January, a couple weeks before the All-Star break that I feel like this team is actually seriously stuck and they cannot get out of it. Um, Because a couple of big reasons. Number one, the team is one game over the halfway point of this season. They're 41, sorry, 42 games into the season and are a, essentially a 500 team. When you look at the points percentage, I mean, they're, they're a 500 team by every uh, measure. 
And I think, I think the biggest problem with that is that they have no way of getting out of that right now. There, there is, they are stuck in so many ways in the standings with the competition around them, with their roster, with their salary cap, with their management situation, with their front office situation, with their coaching situation. They are stuck and they are walled in. It's kind of fitting that there's a there's a wall next to me right here because that is what the Predators feel right now. They are walled in on all sides. And you can break every single thing I just said down and look at it that way, and it's true. They are stuck, stuck, stuck. Let me talk briefly about this past week, and then I will go into more reasons why they're stuck. They, they go to Toronto. They have a, a four-game winning streak. They just beat the Ottawa Senators. And the Toronto Maple Leafs have, don't have Austin Matthews, so you think they have a chance to win that one. Uh, they have a chance to, you know, despite a pretty poor start, uh, Toronto, I think, the, I think the Preds might have scored first in that game, if I remember correctly. Let me check that real quick. I think the Preds scored first. No, I'm sorry. That's right. John Tavares scored, and then Forsberg matched it pretty, pretty soon into the second period. They, they had a pretty poor first period and then were pretty lucky to be tied going into the third and had a huge, you know, they had a lot of chances to, to, to get the, the go-ahead goal. And then they get the penalty, the four-minute four high-sticking penalty to Mark Jankowski. And uh, Mitch Marner scores, and it's, you know, they lose in regulation. Montreal, the next night. Really interesting game because of all the, the, the sort of backstory and the context with Yaroslav Askarov getting his uh, NHL debut and uh, and the PK Subban stuff. It it was a it was a pretty fun game. I mean, that was for all the losses this year. Like that was a pretty fun game to watch. Uh, but standings wise, it was a terrible loss. Montreal is a bad team. They're a rebuilding team. That you you need to beat Montreal if you're this Predators team. You you can't afford to go into Montreal and lose. Two points. Like, you came out with zero points against Montreal. Then they come home and you think, okay, well, Toronto's a tough team. Montreal, there's a lot of hype in the building for, for P.K. Subban, and you had a rookie goalie starting. And then you have Buffalo. And I, I just – I feel like that first period was so bad. They had they had nothing going for them for that first period. They, they found a goal somehow, but – they had five shots on goal. They oh, there's a power play goal. That's what it was. They had a power play goal. They got them tied up with with Buffalo. But you know, after that, you know, they, they go down three one. They get the the two kind of crazy goals to get. Well, the first one wasn't crazy. It was a good play by Cody Glass, and then Lozon hammered it. Uh, a a really kind of fortunate deflection from Ryan Johansson, really far out from the net, ties it up. And then uh, you just could feel that the Predators were not getting the finishing that they need. It just was, that was, that was what was happening all night that anytime they got into the Buffalo zone, they could not find the, they did not have the puck skills to, to find spaces where they could create dangerous opportunities. They couldn't get shots off in the right way. They could, they were getting blocked left and right. They, they had no chances that looked really all that dangerous until a couple on the power play looked pretty good. And then very late when they were down a goal, they, they got a couple of really good looking chances but then they lose. They lo they lose five to three empty net goal, and the the power. Sorry, the shorthanded goal that Buffalo gets. Uh, and John Hines said this, and I agree with him. It was just that one guy outworked two for Nashville. 
in their in their own zone. One guy outworked two, and that's uh, for a Buffalo team that is not a playoff team at all. That is really bad for Nashville. So it's been a really bad week, I think. And um, and and this gets me to this the sort of overall trend. I mean, I I I think as as someone who has covered the team for a while now and who thinks about, I, I try to think about things with with patience and with um, with sort of fairness and considering all the factors and context and all that. I really feel like right now that the team is, is in a bad place. I, 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 not, maybe not emotionally and maybe not like leadership wise, but I don't think there's any way they can claw their way back out of this and become a playoff team. I, I just, I don't, I don't see it. They, they don't have certain players playing in the right way and being, and, and they don't have players that can get them to the place that they need to be. Philip Forsberg has come on very recently last few weeks and has been extremely good. And he is now the only player I would think on this Nashville team that can, that you could say is a, is a threat, right? Is a guy that they, that other teams are going to worry about. Roman Yossi is, I, I think, you know, he's, he's an, an incredibly, incredibly talented player. He's got a lot of skill and he does a lot of things. Well, uh, you know, our, our, our team's still worried about Roman Yossi, probably. Definitely on the power play, I think. I mean, he's he's proven that. I think Roman Yossi's Roman Yossi and Philip Forsberg, the two players they need to worry about. I don't see any other player on this Nashville Predators team that other teams have to prepare for. They don't have to prepare for the herd line anymore. They don't really they don't really have to worry about uh, the the younger guys like the Novaks and the Cody glasses and everything right now. I mean, those guys are making their way. They're, they're, they're progressing, but those are not, you know, key players to keep an eye on, right? Like they're not, they're not that kind they're not difference makers right now. Defensively, Ryan McDonough is a very one directional kind of player and, and he's been solid better. He's been better recently defensively, but offensively not there. Same thing with Dante Fabro and, and Alex Carrier who was injured, but, and Jeremy Lozon got the goal, but he's a bottom pairing guy. So then we come to names like Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne and Mikhail Grant, Mikhail Granlund, who have just been shells of last year, who are not getting it done at the offensive end consistently, who are, who are skating hard. I, I, I would think, I think they're skating hard but they're not playing a mental game that makes any sense. They're, they're playing with, with the wrong sense of urgency at the wrong times. And they're, they're making plays in the wrong moments and they're not, not getting to spots that they need to be in at the right time. And, and, and overwork, you know, one thing that Duchesne does, <coughs> excuse me. One thing that Duchesne does that just drives people crazy is he gets to the outside and finds some space and then almost always turns the puck over or, or doesn't get, a, it doesn't ever lead to a quality shot. And like, he has so much speed and skill, but he just kind of stops and, and paints himself into a corner almost every time in that, in that, on that right wing side. And Johansson, I feel like does a little bit more than people give him credit for, but it's the same story. It's just like, he doesn't, he doesn't shoot at the right times. He doesn't, he doesn't pick his spots to try to fire one on net. And then Granlund, Granlund is just like, I feel like all up in his own head. He cannot find the plays when they're there. He's attempting plays that are kind of almost impossible sometimes. Uh, just really kind of, 
I mean, I, I not a head case, but he's just he he doesn't seem to be playing very well right now. Um, Colton Sissons, I mean, had a wide open net that he missed. That was pretty bad. I mean, that, that was I think I have video of that. But overall, things are really bad in terms of the way that this team is trying to win games and and the struggle that they have to try to create scoring. It, it overall, it's it's just it's really not good. I did want to talk about uh, Ask Robin. I wanted to point out that one play that I thought was really cool. Uh, before I do that, I, we've got to talk about Relax the Back. If you want to improve your life, if you want to feel better, if you want to sleep better every day, you have to check out Relax the Back. They have tons of customized comfort options for you at their uh, at the office for relaxing at home, for sleeping at night. Ergonomic office chairs, zero gravity chairs, all of them perfect for getting your spine in the correct position so you can work better every day. You've got to have a good working space at home where you can focus on your work. Well, they have the stuff that can help you do that with their uh, office chairs and their zero gravity chairs that can give you in the get you in the right position. Uh, they also have uh, quality recovery options. If you've been injured or you're recovering from a workout or you've got like a sports injury you're kind of trying to get through, the massage chairs and the recliners and the foot massagers and the back massagers, all of it there in the store are, are incredible pieces of technology. You've got to go check them out. You can definitely walk in the store and test all of them out. Um, and it, like I said, you've got to just go to the store and, and check it out. The Relax the Back store in Green Hills, 2020 Glen Echo Road, right there in Green Hills. A sleep agent is on hand every day. Uh, you can go in there, talk to Glenn. He owns the store. He'll he'll tell you everything that you need to know about this stuff. He is a a mastermind when it comes to uh, figuring out the, the back issues that you have or the pain issues you've got or sleeping sleep issues that you've got. Uh, so talk to him. He owns the store. Uh, and he will also tell you about the four pillars of wellness, healthy sleep, healthy body, healthy work, and healthy mind. Okay. So let's get back to the subject at hand. I want to talk about Yaroslav Askarov. Probably Askarov. I think that's probably, probably needs to go with Askarov. I think that seems to be the consensus. Askarov. <clears throat> that debut was really great. I, I think of all the debuts you could have seen this year, I, I, I actually wasn't surprised to see him debut. I, I did actually think that he would debut this year, mostly because I didn't think that... Kevin Lankinen was going to be very good, and he is. He has been pretty good. Uh, so I thought that they would debut Askarov either because Saros would get injured or Lankinen would be terrible, and they would have to go to him. So he did debut. I thought it was really surprising for it to happen the way it did. I, I just didn't think it was going to happen this week. Um, let, let's talk briefly about his overall skill set that I think is, is interesting. He has a very awesome frame for a goalie uh hockey reference list is lists him at 6'3 178 i think he's probably got a little bit more bulk on him than that but 6'3 uh is, is a, a great size for a goalie he has a lot of reach he's got a lot of um his legs are massive and long and that's very that's great for his pad length um he has you know athletic arms he's got a really strong upper body i mean it's just like everything you need for a, a really talented goalie physically got it right now pecorine obviously had that stuff and uc saros has it just differently right he's just differently proportioned but Askarov is almost like if you're designing a goalie 
in in hockey in, in NHL 2K or whatever people play these days. He's how you design it. He's he's got the right height. He's got the right build. Everything, and then you add to that his technical ability. His technical ability is is awesome. He's just like his edge work is great. His his lateral movement's awesome. He's got great glove hand. He's got a great glove hand. Um, he's he's actually pretty good rebound control from what I saw. I mean, not great, but pretty good. And then, so you've got that, you've got the size, you've got the technical ability, but the, the thing that he has in droves that is just so obvious when you watch the game is confidence. This might, he might be the most confident goalie to ever debut for the Nashville Predators. I think his ability to go into the net and own it and own the space around it and own the puck when he gets it is bar none. I mean, I've never seen a rookie goalie look like that. I've only seen, you know, a handful debut for the Nashville Predators. I, I, I was at UC Soros' debut in 2015 against the Buffalo Sabres. <coughs> but I think um, I've never seen anything like it. And uh, I want to show this one play. Uh, this was a breakaway that Evgeny Dadinoff has, or had, sorry. Um, this was second period, I think. Uh I, I think this is so great. I mean, I, everything everything that happens on this play is amazing. So just take a look. Dodonov comes in, nice little patience there, and he gets a move. And, but there's the edges. He's got the edges and, the, and a very similar skating ability. Dodonov makes a great move, freezes him. He gets him to go to his left. But so right there, what, what was really cool? There's several things that are awesome. When he goes to his left there. His, able, his ability to push off on his edges and get over and cover that entire right side with his right pad is just fanta fantastic. But his uh, his movement with the glove hand to stop or to prevent Dadnoff from getting too much power on his top hand, which is that's where your power comes from. That's where it's where most of your shooting comes from. Uh, was just next level. I mean, like you don't see veteran goalies doing that kind of a move. You you don't see guys thinking about that they're just trying to react to the play uh he followed dadnoff well i mean dadnoff's not like an incredible goal scorer but he's pretty good he's i don't know how many goals he has but he's he's, he's not bad he's decent decent goal scorer and he's on a breakaway and so um to be able to stop that now he uh so askarov had a number of mistakes we saw a lot of them uh, on display. I mean, the, the first goal that he gave in or that he allowed uh, to, who was that? Um, to Jake Evans, right. The goal he allowed to Jake Evans, he got a piece of it and it just got by him. So like, he's got to do better on that. And I think the dock was a, was a power, not a power play. I forget what happened on the Kirby dock one. Um, and then the, the the two Cole Caulfield goals were just power plays, and especially the last one was just wide open. So um, <clears throat> not much he can do about that. He made a couple of bad – oh, I know what the Doc one was. The Doc one was the turnover that he had. So he he comes out to play the puck. This is about five minutes left in the first period. Comes out to play the puck, sends it, rims it back around to a, what he thinks is a winger for the uh, – a Preds winger. It's a Montreal player. He should have held it for a little bit longer and just reversed it, but he didn't do that uh, because he was trying to get the puck up the ice so that he could uh, so they could get a breakout, which is really interesting instincts. I mean, like that's that shows you what kind of player he is. But 
not a great decision. I uh, didn't think about what was happening and uh, a good lesson maybe for him to realize that those mistakes will result in goals. And that's what happened. So um, 30 saves, I think is what he finished with 31 saves uh, on 35 shot attempt or shots. But overall, everything that you saw with Askarov, I mean, I don't know that you could really complain about anything that he did. I mean, the, the aggressiveness and the confidence that you see is like, that's why they have him. So that's what they, that's what they wanted to draft. So <laughs> that's what they got. Um, the only other thing I wanted to mention is I think that the Predators need to do three things right now. I mentioned that they're stuck in every way. They have their cap is low. They can't really do anything there. They have contracts that they're just bound to, to keep because no one else is going to want them. They have a front office that has a man, a general manager that will just never leave. And, well, will never get fired and doesn't seemingly ever want to leave. Uh, they have a coach that they just re-signed to a, an extension last year. <clears throat> they have players in positions that need to be way better than they are. I mean, they need a top line center that is way better than Yuso Parsonen or Ryan Johansson right now. They need, you know, if they're, if they're contenders, uh, they need a, a defensive unit that is much more cohesive and, and strong defensively than what they have right now. I mean, ev just everything. One thing they have going well is UC Soros. They have a great goaltender and that's why you see the streakiness. Cause every time he's on a roll, they're going to win some games. Um, but I do think that there's a couple things that need to happen right now. And, and these would help get them unstuck. Maybe they could get some wiggle room, get unstuck a little bit because they've got to do something. I mean, this lose two, win two, lose one, win one, lose three or win four, lose three. Like that's how it's been all season long. They cannot get on a consistent streak. So here's what they need to do. They need to bring up Tomasino. They have got to bring up Philip Tomasino. There's no reason for him to be in the AHL anymore. It doesn't make any sense. He's got, as I pointed out, he's got 12 points in his last 10 games. He's nearly a point-per-game player. He had an injury earlier. He's clearly over it. Um, I, I just they, they need to call up Tomasino. The other thing is they, they have got to end this thing with Cole Smith. I, I have talked to Cole Smith. I really like him as a guy. I think he's a, he's a really strong, just really sound guy he has a really you know really strong family he's got he's got a good he's got a good head on his shoulders i guess if that's which, how you want to put it like i, I really believe that he's got a, a really solid mental grasp on on what he needs to do in order to succeed but he doesn't have the skills to do it we have been proven that has been proven all season long i'll just mention this when i talked to him recently this was a few weeks ago this was uh, maybe like november or something he even called himself a a unskilled or low skilled player. And like, I, I think he was saying it as in, he knows, he knows he's not a top line winger, right? He knows he's not a, a, a 30 goal scorer. Um, but I think he also realizes that he's kind of being asked to be uh, a generator of, of action, right? He, he's being asked to, he's been asked to, to play tough defensive minutes, to win the puck back, to go, to go fight, win battles in the corners. And you need guys like that. But at the end of the day, you've got to put points on the board. If you're playing an offensive position like forward, you've got to be able to put some points on the board. And the guy just has proven 
all season long that he he can't he can't do that. And and there was a play in the Buffalo game. He had there was a two on one. I think it was Parsonen and him. Uh, could have been Glass. I think it was actually Glass. And uh, he he couldn't get the shot off. I, the the, the pass might not have been perfect. I think it was a little ahead of him or a little at his feet maybe. But I mean. Better, better players. I mean, you saw what Forsberg can do with with passes that are not great. You've seen, you've seen what what Duchesne can do, what Yossi can do. Like, I know he's not those players, but at some point, you've got to try someone else. And Tomasino, I, you know, if Tomasino's in that position, he does he score? Probably. I mean, he's he's got better offensive instincts. Um, but the, the other thing about why they need to do this and why they need to they need to go get Tomasino and and end the Cole Smith thing is because of what Ellie Tolvanen is doing in Seattle, (laughs) because there's a lot of anger out there regarding how Tolvanen has five goals and eight games or whatever it is. And um, it's not good right now. They, they have, they have a serious issue. They, they can put their heads in the sand and ignore it all they want, but there are really mad people in the fan base who are, upset that Ellie Tolvanen has done so well in such a short amount of time and that they continue to play guys like Cole Smith and that Tomasino is just sitting there for him to call up. And and by the way, it doesn't have to be just Tomasino. It could be any any one of those other guys down there. There's a lot of other players down there that could do that. Not Tomasino is the best option in my opinion, but so wave Cole Smith. He probably doesn't get claimed. Send him to the HL. He goes back down to Milwaukee, bring up Tomasino, put him with Cody glass, and see what happens because last year Tomasino had a, a decent offensive season given his role. And you feel like he's probably going to score at least a few goals. The other thing I kind of thought is, you know, they probably need to trade Fabro at some point. I mean, they've already talked about, or there's already been rumors about it. And uh, maybe you use that as a way to get forward help, but you really don't need that. You need a future draft pick, start loading up on that now because you're not going to sign Favreau, um, not with the money that he's going to be owed and the other players you need to pay. So <clears throat> that's my solution. That's what I think should happen. That's what I think probably will happen pretty soon is that they're going to have to make a decision on uh, improving the offense. And and it just feels like number 36 is the best option to, to replace. Who else are you going to replace? Also think about, you know, what happens when Michael McCarron comes back? You know, if Michael McCarron comes back, that's, that's got to be the, the last thing that pushes Cole Smith. I mean, I, as as limited as Michael McCarron might be, he's he's got to be he's got to be in over Cole Smith. And when they were in both in the lineup early in the year, they were a pretty good defensive pair. But the lineup's different. They've called up Yusuf Parsonen. Uh, they've called up Tommy Novak. They've got two better players in those roles right now. There's not room for a Michael McCarron and a Cole Smith in this role. So or in, on this team right now, you got to go one or the other. So McCarron comes back. That's got to push Cole Smith out. Even though yes. Tomasino should be pushing him out to begin with. So that's all I've got. Um, there, there's a lot of work to be done for this team. I mean, it, it's they, they are as stuck as they could possibly be. The next few games, Monday against Calgary, Tuesday against uh, Columbus, and then they go on the road briefly, Thursday against St. Uh, Louis, and then the Los Angeles Kings come to town next Saturday. So four games this week, Calgary, Columbus, St. Louis, Los Angeles. You got to beat Columbus. If you're a competitor, you need to beat St. Louis. You probably need to get at least a point out of Calgary and you need to beat the Kings too. Like there should be three wins on this week. 
you know, that that's if 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 they are what they think they are, they should be getting three wins this week. So we'll see if that happens. Until then, uh, thanks for thanks for watching and thanks for listening. Uh, you can check out all of our hockey coverage at a to z sports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at AlexDarty1, and uh, I will see you. We will see you next week. Thank you.